Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Is LeBron getting frustrated? Are the Bulls on their way back to glory? Will the Bucks finally figure it out once Jabari is back? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown podcast slash live show on Periscope. I believe that we have a live image of Dave. It actually moves tonight. You can see him move his mouth and his tongue and his lips and everything. How amazing. Dave, talk I to know. us. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, I'm alive. Yes. I'm live. It is. Uh, you know what? It, your, your takes are going to be even hotter now because we can see you move. Yeah, you can see my eyebrows adjust as I'm making snarky comments. <laughs> right. Uh, the beard is looking full as well today, so good job on that end and uh, keeping it away from Harry's razors. Hey, we're in the midst of basketball season. I don't shave uh, during, uh, during basketball season, so I've got until at least February 1st when my season ends. And if my girls make state, then uh, you know, it'll be at least another week. So. Okay, nice. Uh, what, what are, the, are, you, you know, are they primed to make state? Is that going to be an easy thing to do or what? If we win the games we're supposed to win, then we should make state. But, um, you know, as you know, that's easier said than done. It um, is. It is, absolutely. Well, we're glad to have all you people here live in studio with us. And we are going to, let's burn some stuff down. What do you say? Let's play the fire. Um, yeah. I think we could talk a little bit about um, uh, the Cavs and Cavs defense. I don't want to belabor well, it too much, but it's, it's, on our, it's on our minds. We watched them get waxed. Uh, with a Lowry-less and Serge Ibaka-less Toronto Raptors team that, like, just lit them up in Toronto. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, okay, so, uh, you know, I tweeted this out earlier. Uh, it's tough because there is the narrative that the Cavs just do not care. And when you watch them, it certainly looks like a team that is not trying hard. Um, and then you see the, the video. I don't know if, if the listeners or, or people watching the Periscope saw this video of LeBron in the huddle during a timeout. And he was very animated and seemed to be like kind of pissed off at, at, at his team, at coaching staff and whatever. It looked like a guy that really cared and they were just <laughs> getting waxed. So I just don't know what to think anymore. Um, this whole thing is is weird. They are they're the worst defense in the league, or or second worst. I think the, the Kings are behind them, uh, you know, for whatever that means. And uh, you know, you and I have talked about this quite a bit. It's not just that they don't care. There are sch- schematic issues that they have as well. They're just highlighted by the fact that there's piss poor effort. I mean, I think that even if they tightened up the effort they're probably still like 18 to 20 in defense. I mean, it's a bunch of old-ass dudes out there running around. That's part one. 
And then part two is, you know, their, their rotations are not very good. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's not great. It's not great. This is the first time, and I don't – I mean, I said this in the middle of last year, but in my heart, I really feel like they're a little bit vulnerable. And Toronto is looking about as good as they've looked in this, in this last, like, three- or four-year run that Cleveland's had. So, um, I don't know. What did, what did you think about the game tonight? Yeah, I, I agree with all those things. And, you know, friend of the breakdown, Joe Varden, who is a Cavs beat writer – uh, was reporting on this, I think, last week, where they really they don't have any practices. Um, that's, that's sort of – they don't work on this thing. And so, obviously – Jeff Van Gundy talked about that on the Low Post podcast, and he brought it up as, as the – you know, the, the Cavs bring it up as a point of pride that they don't have practices. Yeah. I mean, this is a good example of why you should have practices, but – Again, the only problem you have is that for these for years now, we've been saying you're not allowed to uh, be able to do that. You shouldn't be able to just turn it on in the playoffs and suddenly get all the way to the finals, yet they're doing it every year anyway. So it's a mixture of things. It's a, it's a combination of just how bad the East has been and inexperienced they've been in those situations where uh, they get overwhelmed on the offensive end and they can't compete. Um, and a little bit of the turning it on. There's a little bit of that. Uh, but this is definitely feels different this year. A, B, the Raptors feel a lot different this year. What DeRozan is doing by you know shaving three points per game off of his scoring and then using that to kick, and then they're running more pistol twenty one action. Uh, it's just a different offense, a different mindset. I mean, this, remember this is without Lowry. The idea that they would hammer the Cavs in the regular season without Kyle Lowry playing is absurd. Van Vliet, I've always loved him, and he's just fantastic coming off the bench, and he got into it a little bit with LeBron, so he's feisty. Uh, that might be my new word. That might be my equivalent to your stout, is, is feisty. And <laughs> feisty. Uh, I love him. And, you know, uh, Anunobi uh, is, is good, but looks like he's struggling under the weight of being a rookie a little bit. Um, but they've done some really nice stuff. Masai Ujiri should, get, uh, should probably get the, uh, you know, he has, has he ever gotten the Executive of the Year award? No, I don't think he has, but I actually tweeted that out earlier. That's funny. That's some good synergy right there, Nick. I Absolutely. said he should be in consideration for executive of the year because, you know, if, if you take a longer-term view of the award, which we should, right? You look at the guys he's drafted. Van Vliet, uh, he signed Dellen Wright. Uh, he he uh, drafted Siakam. Pertle. Pertle. Exactly. Uh, Valanchunas, sticking with Valanchunas. Sticking, how about sticking with Dwayne Casey? A guy that you and I derided last year because we said his offense was too old school. And look at what he did this summer. Shout out to Dwayne Casey. Again, I've been doing this every chance I get for the last month because I've been so impressed. Like that to me, like that guy should be in consideration for coach of the year. Um, I mean, he shouldn't be the coach of the year, but in consideration just for the simple fact that he said, you know what? My old school stuff is not really working when it counts. Let me throw it out the window and come up with something new. And an old dog learns some new tricks. I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, but, yeah, man, that team, I, I think they – you know, and, and someone just mentioned Norman Powell. Norman Powell has been a ghost since yeah. he got hurt. And you and I expected him to, to be a world beater. And guess what? They haven't missed a beat. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, Toronto is kind of built – to beat Cleveland. And I'm not saying that they're going to beat Cleveland, but they're built that way. 
Uh, just like Boston's built that way. A bunch yeah. of guys that are 6'8 to 6'10, <laughs> you know, that can switch. And uh, yeah. then you've got well, Kyrie, who's like a generational scorer. And you've got Al Horford, who is one of the best defensive players in the league. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, man. Cleveland's going to have a tough time once the playoffs come. Of course, yeah. we've said this before. And, and this watch for this year. as we get to the last like month of the season. You watch for like a, a tank job by the Cavs or something to try and position themselves better in that first round or whatever to get in a different bracket. But if you have both Cleveland, uh, both Boston and Toronto in opposite brackets, then they're not going to be able to avoid both of them. Uh, and yeah, I, it, it would be. It's hard to imagine on. January, what is it, 11th? What day is today? We're recording this on 11th. Uh, It's really hard to imagine that they will be able to get through both of them if they had to play them both back-to-back. And that's the crucible. That's what they have to figure out. Now, who knows what's going to happen, and maybe they luck out and don't like to play one of them, but that's that's the uh, uh, big task in front of them. And, yeah, the only question, again, is is who's going to be able to slow down LeBron um, what were you seeing tonight that, that you know, he, he I think he had 26. It wasn't like he slowed down that much. but um, Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know what they're going to offer against him. I mean, I guess Serge can kind of be that guy, but he's not really a defender on the OG, ball like that. I, I think I think OG Ananobi, uh, Siakam, and Serge can sort of mix it up in there. But the, the reality is, you don't – like, LeBron's not going to score 100 points, Right. Right. So LeBron can get his. The the trick is you can't let other people get theirs. And right. so I think that that's, that's the trick. Okay. Um, I, I also tweeted out earlier tonight that by the time the playoffs roll around, LeBron's going to have to play 48 minutes a night. I don't see how they survive without him on the court. As of this moment, it's, it's early in his comeback. Doesn't look like the same Isaiah Thomas. Doesn't have the same burst isn't getting that shot off the same way. I, I saw him uh, at, at one point kind of favoring that hip a little bit, rubbing it a little bit. I wonder if it's really? bothering him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he had sort of had a little bit of contact with uh, Pirtle. Um, so, you know, I, I just – look, man, I'm, not, I'm just not sold on this Cleveland team. And the, the issue is they have LeBron, and so I give LeBron the benefit of the doubt. But the rest of the team, I mean, it just – yeah, yeah. I, I just don't see. I don't see how they make it work. The issue is, can the rest of the team step up and kind of do what they need to do? And that's what we haven't seen thus far. Now, is there a trade they're going to be able to make either? And they don't really have the assets, and they don't really have the the, the things they could they could do to facilitate that. Like J.R. Smith has no value. I don't think Iman Shumpert has value. Tristan Thompson doesn't have value, especially with this contract. So it's like. They're pretty much, yeah, stuck with what they've got, and I don't know what they're going to do. You know, they don't have David Griffin there anymore to, to, to pull off anything. So, uh, yeah, and then I think this just continues to um, – it's interesting that we're noting that uh, LeBron was upset uh, at, the, at the score because, you know, this is probably one of those moments where he starts to check out and it's like he's already coming to L.A. or he's already leaving, and that's what you would, you would see. So that's encouraging to some degree for people who want him to stay in Cleveland. Um. I don't know about that. I don't think LeBron's the kind of guy that checks out. I, right. I really don't. And I know that there's right. a lot of stuff. I know there's a lot of stuff with him uh, that in the first stint with Cleveland against Boston or whatever. But I, I honestly, I think that that's frustration and that's on the basketball court. I, I think that guy is just, he's a winner and he wants to win. Okay. Um, so, you know, I saw him tonight and he looked like a guy who wanted to win. And that's why it's so confusing because it's easy if we look at this game and them getting blown out. I don't even know what the final score was. It was like 35 at one point. Um, but it's easy if we just say, well, they don't care. 
They don't care. They don't care about the one seed. They don't care about beating Toronto in January. Right? It's very easy for us as analysts to just say that. And the reality is they might care. They might just not be able to do it. Oh, I hear you. And I think in the moment while they're competing, they they certainly do care. Um, And that's going to be an interesting discussion about, you know, when are they going to turn it on? Because it's not even like, okay, they're going to, they're going to say their energy isn't that whatever, but it still doesn't really add up to a 34-point loss with two starters out uh, for Toronto. That's just not a good uh, showing at all. It's probably a big reason why uh, LeBron was frustrated. Also, you know, it was a, um, a national game, so I'm sure everyone was you know, keeping their eye out there. So uh, let's move on. Let's get some, maybe some questions here. Uh, well, and by the way, I, it I is, I know it's on Twitter. I'm only in your left ear right now. I'm sorry. I will fix it for the podcast tomorrow morning, but uh, we're, we're struggling under the weight of the technology, uh, of the technology these days. But uh, anyway, what I've, do we have, Dave? Anything? I've got a, I've got a question on Twitter um, that sort of goes into what we just talked about. And it's from uh, Noah Burketto. Uh, he's asking if we could, if if uh, the Cavs could use Crowder's contract to haul a little bit of youth. I don't think the issue is youth. I think, I mean, Crowder's not old, right? No. I, I think that I think it's it's part scheme, part effort. Um, they could certainly use some younger guys. They are an old ass team, no doubt. Um, but I don't. I wouldn't even say Crowder is is the issue. I think there's there's like a culture issue going on right now that that's a big problem, and they could certainly use some youth like across the board. Um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that Jay Crowder is is an issue. Um, I've got another question from Lorenzo on Twitter, and this one you're gonna love this one. Okay. Uh, if if you or I were LeBron or Paul George and free agents this summer, what team would we sign with assuming the money is equal? And I, I have a feeling I know your answer. I definitely know my answer. Well, if I were LeBron, I wouldn't say no. West. Now, his question, his question is, if money is no object for any team, yeah. what team do you sign with? Well, so, but isn't, isn't that also like does LeBron just has a choice wherever he wants to go? Right, that's, that's like right. everyone's equal. Right. Uh, sure. You know, I, I just I would ne- I would never advise him to go west. That would be my biggest thing. And so, if you well, want to, what's that? I have a caveat for you. Okay, what's the I caveat? Have a, I have a rebuttal. Uh, I, I say there's two teams in the West that you would sign with: Spurs, Spurs. Or Golden State. Oh. <laughs> Outside right. of those two, right? Like those are my top two, and probably I'd say Golden State first. Uh, sign me up for that uh, to go play with uh, four really, really great players. Uh, yes, absolutely. Sign me up for Golden State, and uh, if they're not interested, I'll go to the Spurs. I'll play for the greatest coach of all time. I don't. Yeah, and again, culture-wise, I don't think that would work. I'm not even sure the Spurs would want it, knowing what LeBron is like. Uh, anyway. So, so, so in realistic terms, yeah, that doesn't work. So I, I would literally say like Milwaukee would be a place where he could go. Um, I think that would be an interesting spot for him. But I do like the narrative of like if he goes to L.A. and they can win there, and now he's won in you know, Cleveland and Miami and now in, in Cleveland. Or, let's see. He didn't win in Cleveland the first time. But Miami, Cleveland, and he wins in L.A. That's like three different cities, three different teams. That's probably unprecedented as far as I know. Um, you know, that might, in his mind, elevate him above Michael. Uh, I can see that narrative taking hold to some degree. Um, see, so I was thinking about this earlier today. I think New York is, is like a thing. Um, I actually think it'd be kind of cool if you went to Brooklyn. 
mostly just because how cool would LeBron look in that jersey, right? Like LeBron could literally lift up an entire franchise. Um, they've got some good young players there that they could trade for some old guys. So they could, I mean, they could basically beat Cleveland, um, you know, over the summer. They could just turn into Cleveland real quick. So right. uh, Brooklyn could be cool. Um, yeah, I, I mean, and listen, Brooklyn. There's like a 75% chance. Yeah, right. And the irony being that Brooklyn is going to screw them with this. Their their pick is not going to be nearly as high as they thought it was going to be because they're playing a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, l- listen, in another world where their Jeremy Lin is healthy and D'Angelo Russell is healthy and then you add uh, LeBron James to that, uh, yeah, that's that's interesting. And then there's that Eastern Conference thing where he can at least get out of the East. Um, although, again, we, they, he has to be careful because you're right at this point – or. I don't, you're not right on agreeing with you, but you haven't made this point. But the point being that the Celtics, you know, they are growing into a team that will not lose the, the Cavs pretty soon. When? Yeah. Right, right. Right? When? It might be, you know, it, maybe Tatum needs like this year to kind of get his feet wet. Brown needs to get his, you know, this one last year and they need to get I mean, Gordon Hayward without back. without Hayward? Without Hayward? I don't think they're going to beat him. Right. So next it, year. With, but, with Hayward? Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, the, the issue is LeBron, right? Like, we've never seen a player like LeBron, who in year 15 is having his best career, you know, best season of his career, arguably, although the numbers are starting to come back down to earth. Um, he, I mean, he has a game completely figured out. Completely figured out. Yeah. Um, and, and this is why games like tonight are so tricky, because it's like, well, I don't know if LeBron cares enough that, he just wants to turn it on. But we've seen him this season get pissed and turn it on. Yeah. Well, so, we'll still see. But I'm willing to go on record and say that by next year, the Celtics will have enough uh, power and experience uh, that they'll, they, they will, uh, the Cavaliers won't, won't be able to beat them. That's my theory going into next year. But I don't think it's ready there yet. Um, and so we'll have to see. And again, I, I, don't you feel like he's gone? It's like not even a thing. He's not going to be in Cleveland next year? No, I think I think it's like seventy five percent he stays in Cleveland. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that the more likely scenario is him staying, um, but we'll see. I mean, yeah. I've I've tried to read the tea leaves, and his camp. Hey, you know what? Kudos to his camp. They are really really great at keeping these things under wraps. No one knew he was going to Miami. Uh, personally, I'm rooting for him to go back to Miami because I think that's a great great story. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, all right. I think you burned that house down, but okay. No, I don't know about that, man. Come on. You know, they're smart people. I think they'll take LeBron back. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, Houston makes sense if you forget about the fact they're in the West. Um, but it, when you think about the fact that they're in the West, it doesn't really make that much sense. So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I still think Cleveland might be the most obvious place that he that he stays right um, now really quickly he, we're seeing a lot of comments in the uh, comments about Fizdale and uh, I I'll make this point I made it on Twitter I'll make, I'll make it again you know the only thing is you now first of all he was an assistant when uh, LeBron and Wade were in Miami so that's the connection but also he got fired for being basically like too hard on Marcus all and meaning he right. like tried to really coach him and that, you know, if he tried to do that again to LeBron, like that wouldn't probably go over well either. So I wonder if that would be a good idea. Yeah, for, for I, I think that everyone is kind of like on the Fisdale to whoever bandwagon because he's like, you know, kind of this sexy younger coach that, you know, got fired or whatever. I, I don't I don't think Fisdale 
makes a lot of sense for, for Cleveland. I think Ty Lue is going to be the coach. I, I, I don't think they're going to change coaches. They're, and, and by the way, they, they already had the experience of firing a coach and winning a championship that same year, which is, had never happened. So it's not like they, they would use that as an excuse. But, yes, um, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But let's go to our questions and see if we have any other ones in um, perhaps our Periscope chat. We have a lot of, certainly a lot of messages here. Anything that grabs you? Uh, boom, 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 boom. i got to scroll through. And then, yes, really, uh, really quickly, yeah, they did. And uh, Pena asks about the, the Cavs having um, defensive issues. And, yes, they, they had them last year, but this is different. It really feels different this year. Um, Again, they're, they're basically the wor- their worst or second worst defense in the league. Yeah. So it's a lot worse um, than last year. Yeah. Um, thoughts on the Warriors-Raptors game coming up on Saturday? Well... Oh, I'm excited for it. Lowry's not back, right? I think it's Lowry probably won't be back. Um, I don't know if Curry will be back. I think uh, Serge I will be if back. They hold Curry out. Yeah, Serge is only missing one game. Um, I, I don't think Curry is going to be back. I, I, th- I think they're going to hold him out until Monday at least. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be a fun game, but I don't know that it's going to be instructive you know yeah. um it's a, i think it's the I second of the back-to-back for the for the uh warriors perhaps yeah and they have a game tomorrow yeah and so they're because i know they were talking about curry maybe coming back tomorrow but then i would be surprised if he played he might not play back-to-back just to be safe on that ankle so he might not play either way even if he does play tomorrow oh but by the way they're playing milwaukee tomorrow which is interesting a little, a little bit of a grudge match uh for them so that should be interesting too uh yeah That'll be interesting. Um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, I, I, like people are talking about Pop and LeBron in the, play, in the uh, comments. And, yeah, I, I don't really see how that goes. But you know what? Maybe LeBron's at that point of his career where he's like, hey, that's cool. I don't have to control everything um, and, and do it. But, uh, you know, and then Vernada asks, is LeBron asking for a max deal? Uh, yeah. he's. In the, oh, I guess the question is, would he take less to join a super team? You know, if you went to, to Houston, he probably would, right? I don't know, man, because LeBron was very upfront, or at least people around LeBron were very upfront about the fact that he wasn't going to take discounts at this point in his career huh. going forward. Um, All right, well. And I don't blame him. He shouldn't. I, like, the, the max salary impacts LeBron more than any other player in the league. Right. Right, the limitation. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think he should take discounts. Uh, with that being said, I guess it's – it it matters, you know, whether or not he, what is he, what is he changing teams for? Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he's changing teams obviously because he doesn't feel like he can win in Cleveland. That's what happened in in, in Miami, right? Yeah. So he just bailed but, when as soon as he realized that Wade wasn't the same Wade anymore, he bailed, and uh, you know, that's you know I, that's why the precedent is set. It feels like he would do that again if he had a chance, but we'll see. Uh, how about let's talk about the, the, the young Bulls. Uh, Widom CA asks us uh, what we think about them. And, you know, certainly we, I think we talked a little bit about Markkanen in the past. I, I'm like, I was, was I the first guy to be really high on Markkanen? I was, I was one of the first. I think I was in the ground floor. Well, you were the first guy outside of Finland to be really high <laughs> Yeah, on, right. Uh, yeah. Because, oh, wait, I'm going to check. While we're talking, I'm going to check. I want to know when I did that video. Because I did a video before he got in the NBA. 
Uh, and I disagreed with you on the video, and I still and I think that they they may have reached taking him at seven, but man, he's been really good. Oh, did and you I'm see him smosh all over Ennis Canner that last oh, night? Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! I, I'm I'm eating a lot of crow on marketing, including on finished podcasts. Um, you know, but I'm upfront about it. I, I was wrong at yeah. least at this point, halfway through his rookie season, right? So, yeah. um, you know, and I watched the tape. I watched the tape. And, you know, you and I saw different stuff. I, I did not. And I don't even know if you predicted what he's doing off the dribble. Uh, you know, I saw him as a pick and roll ball handler, but I didn't see him finishing the way that he finished. I didn't see that in college. So I didn't predict this. Um, the shooting, I assumed, would be there. But there was no reason for me to believe he would rebound at this rate. And, you know, I, I don't think I'm alone in that. Well, here's the thing. His rebounding rate was actually pretty good in college. It wasn't that low, and it was a weird comment, like when I would see that and people predict it. Yeah, but his contested rebound rate was was not that high. And and so that's what I – like, I looked at the advanced statistics, and so it was just like, you know, his contested rebounding wasn't really great. I know. I I know. I wish James was here right now to give me a look. Um, But, uh, yeah, his contested rebounding rate wasn't that great. And so, you know, I I just didn't predict this. Um, And by the way, yeah, this isn't even like, you know, that spectacular. He's averaging 15.4 points. He's only shooting uh, uh, 42.8% from from the field and then uh, about 37% from three, which is like, you know, average, a little bit above average. Yeah, but he's an impactful player. Yeah, and he's getting almost eight rebounds a game in about 30 minutes, which is also a thing. He's got, you know, he's not playing like completely starters minutes. So, yeah, and that's the thing. And by the way, I think the key here is it's kind of like KP, and we're seeing – just like these glimpses of like, and and they keep coming more and more of glimpses of like, oh my God, this is like, wait, like this is going to really turn into something good. Uh, Zach Levine is going to come back at some point. Chris Dunn has been a revelation. And again, his stats aren't going to jump off the page either, but considering that I didn't think he was an NBA player last year, uh, yeah, he's really made strides. Levine is back Saturday. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he, he's about 18 days ahead of schedule, which is really funny when somebody's coming back from an injury. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's back on Saturday. So, um, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. I mean, I still think they need to move Miritich because he's too good um, because <laughs> right. they need to lose games. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, and, and someone in the chat just asked if we, if we know about um, – Miritich for favors, and I know that that is a thing that was on the table. Um, I, I, it doesn't really make sense to me from from both sides because I think favors is worth more than Miritich, and I think that favors is a weird guy to trade Miritich for. Um, he's going to be a, a free agent this summer. You know they're going to have to pay him to keep him. I, I don't know, man. Like unless the plan is just to trade and then let him walk. Um, so yeah, I, I don't uh, I don't think that that's a great trade. The the other one I threw out there was Miritich for Burks. I think, you know, you'd have Burks for the rest of this season and next season. He's a guard. He can make plays off the dribble, um, and you can always use that in the league. And someone pointed out that they've got a bunch of guards, and it's like, well, you know, when you're a bad team, you just need talented people. Um, his contract is reasonable. It's a little over ten million a year. Next year he'll be an expiring, be easy to move. But you could give him sort of like a, you know, a feature for the rest of this year, see how he does. If you like him, then, you know, you've got a young-ish guy going forward. Um, but if you don't, you can move him next, you know, either this summer or next year uh, for, for something else. And so um, I just think that, 
that's sort of the way if I were the Bulls front office, that's sort of the way I would be leaning. Let's look for higher upside guys that are maybe on expiring deals, not necessarily this year, but next year. Um, you're not going to be good next year, no matter who you draft. So let's let's think a little bit longer term, but yeah. not get locked into any sort of long term money. Right. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's let's get a couple more questions here before we wrap up here. But um, I see a lot of people uh, mentioning rip, ripping you for you know touting John Collins, who does look good. There are moments when he looks good no, too as a great no, athlete. Yeah, um, they, they're ripping me for for uh, for the fact that we talked about John Collins and not Markinen. And, and the the truth is, John Collins has actually looked better than Markinen, but his minutes are just so yeah. inconsistent. I, it, like Bud is doing a better job at tanking than Hoiberg is. Let's just let's <laughs> right. just call a spade a spade. Okay. Um, you know, um, it, and and with that being said, John Collins is also he's more explosive athlete. The way he's kind of competing at the rim is a little bit different. He's yeah. a completely different player. So the 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 impact he has on the game is different. It's a little bit more apparent. Uh, yeah. Markkinen, don't get me wrong, he's been really good. Um, but yeah, John Collins, I think, has just been a little bit better, although he hasn't played nearly as much. Right. All right. Well, here, here's a good one from E World Vanta asks, "How good can this Bucks uh, team be with a healthy Jabari uh, who gets back in the motion?" All right. Well, I don't know what that means, but when Jabari comes back, sure. uh, that's a fun team. That that actually is a team that could threaten. But what's what are we going to say? What's what's going to hold them back? Well, I mean, I I think Jason Kidd is the is the real like X factor there. Um, I, I've dreamt of the Bledsoe, Snell, Middleton. Parker and Giannis lineup, and I wonder if we'll see it. Um, yeah, I think with Giannis, you've got enough rim protection, and you obviously have super switchability with that lineup. Wait, go wait, go um, through it again. So it's Giannis. Do you say Snell? So Giannis, Snell, Middleton, Parker, and Giannis. So Bledsoe, oh Bledsoe, Snell, yeah, Middleton, Parker, Giannis. It's a and, long team yeah, again, right? Yeah, super long. So defensively, they should be great, especially if they're switching, right? If, if they're not out there hard hedging and things like that and, and giving up four-on-three situations. Um, but uh, offensively, it's you know it requires some creativity, and, and we're not seeing much of that. Um, the, the Bucks kind of have fallen in love with that Hawks set, and it seems to be the only thing they run. I think they need to mix it up a little bit. And, um you know, just, again, get guys spaced out. I mean, they could just go kind of five out, run some pin downs, you know, run a little, like, Giannis. I, I mean, can Bledsoe set a screen for Giannis? You know? Like, yeah. why not? Right? Like, you've got, with that lineup especially, you know, my dream lineup there, you, everyone could screen for everyone else. They're all competent enough in the pick and roll. Maybe not Snell, but everyone else can run a pick and roll as the ball handler or as a screener. They're all stout enough to, to there set it screens. Is. So why not just do it and just see what happens? Um, I'm all for with younger teams throwing shit at the wall and see what works instead of let me throw one thing at the wall, watch it work one time and then pound it into the wall until it doesn't work anymore. Right. Which is what they tend to do. Yes, uh, I agree. I, they need to, they need to come up with a scheme. In fact, it's worthy. I mean, I kind of mentioned a little bit in my three point defense video and I mentioned the bucks and why they were struggling so bad on that end. Uh, it might be worth just a video in and of itself to studying exactly what's going on there. But we know that they're, they're defending the pick and roll in a 90s sort of way, and it's not helping them uh, as they hedge and they double-team the ball handler, uh, and they're giving up you know, basically fast breaks in the half court. 
Um, and that's that's a real problem because teams will now will lure them with a pick and roll out and get out of position and then just slice and dice them up. So um, maybe one day they'll figure that out. It's it's interesting. I kind of want to look at like who's all in that staff and what age they are because uh, if they're all sort of of the same era, then it's like you know. Uh, I don't know if they're going to let go of that of those tenets they think are really important defensively. Yeah, I mean Tim Gergerich is on that staff. Okay, interesting. Right. So so why not run the amoeba? <laughs> oh, I mean geez. why not? I, I don't I know why they don't. I mean we were talking about that earlier uh, last yesterday about why the teams don't press a little bit like a two-two-one pass yeah, and yeah. press. Um, you know, I think you could amoeba. do it like eight to ten possessions a game with a press, right? Yeah, like a diamond it. press would work, man. Like especially with a super switchable lineup. So if the press gets broken, everybody just runs down and grabs whoever's near them. I, like there's yeah. no reason why. And, and we've seen that recently with Miami. Um, Toronto has done it a little bit. Uh, Boston could definitely do it uh, with their personnel. Um, and it's not one of these things where they need to be like Villanova or, you know, shock a smart team and just press constantly. They don't have to do that, but like, you know, pick it up fourth quarter, three minutes to go. Hey, throw a press in there. Let's see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dave, great show. I think we're getting late in the tooth here, uh, long in the tooth here uh, on a long West Coast time. So uh, really great stuff. I, you know, you could tease a couple things. Um, I have a store where I've launched uh, where you can buy, uh, if you're a coach and you want to improve your game, improve how to, how to teach. I have a whole bunch of videos. And we're going to be adding them th- uh, every week or more. So uh, if you were to go there, you can check out... Um, Oh boy, what is the link is long. I will be tweeting it out all day on Twitter, so uh, keep your eye open for that. And also on our website, there will be a link there, so stay tuned. Uh, there might even be some radio in my in my future. Uh, I'm a little bit excited about that, so you might be able to tune in to hear Coach Nick and and friends um, on on terrestrial radio. Terrestrial radio? Yeah, isn't that is what this we call a it? thing? Yeah, yeah. FM. It'll be on FM. We're very excited. 80, 80 some markets across DJ? the country. So we're working on that, and uh, that, that should happen soon, so stay tuned for that. And then uh, tomorrow I'm going to drop a, a video um, on all the different kind of pick-and-rolls there are. Whoa. All you right. Know, so you, know, you want to guess how many we've got, we got up to? Seven. Seven? Dave, shame on you. <laughs> Way more. Out there. 24. Yeah. <laughs> wow. 24 yeah. different types. Are, are you including a dribble handoff as a pick and roll? No. See, that's the thing. No, I decided not to because I didn't want to convolute okay. it. But we're like, so horns, by the way, uh, horns series, that, that actually you could have four okay. different pick and rolls in there, but we're keeping it as horns. And then sure. 21, where there's your little handoff, but we, we it went into the uh, ball screen. The 21 series, we have ball screen, that style. But then we're talking oh, okay. about high ball screens. We're talking about flat ball screens. We're talking about step-up oh, screens. Right. We're talking about inside ball screens. Uh, corner ball screens. You know what I mean? It's like it's a crazy how many we okay. got off to twenty four. So you mean scenarios where you can run a pick and roll out of, not different types. I mean, there's only really like there's pick and roll, pick and pop, and like pick and short roll. Oh, but you're saying, I get yeah, but I don't because I don't think that a set, a, well, this is overtime here. Step up screen <laughs> is not the same as a high pick and roll at spread. Like those okay. are just different, right? It's just different, you know. And, sure. and you're going at, you're going laterally right. versus downhill or whatever it is. So right. um, you know, but but, but you're right. There is a there is a little bit of a paying attention different. to the notion of the whatever's happening up right before that too. So there's that like zipper cut dribble handoff. Zipper that, fist. That, uh, Spinuli. 
Right. Yes. That they do. Uh, they call it the Spinoli pick and roll. It's not really a pick and roll. It's a dribble handoff. No. Well, I I'm t- I do it as a zipper into a pick and roll, which the okay. Spurs would okay. do. We have um, 25, which is another Spurs where you screen for the ball screener first. Uh, we have Spain pick and roll in there. I mean, the list Spain, goes on right. and on. It's it's a yeah. lot of different alignments and different ways to run it. Uh, and I think that you know it'll be really fa- it should be really fascinating to everybody as I run through them all uh, all in a row. I'm you can see how they're successful. I'm, all right, I'm, I'm excited for that video. All right, awesome. Well, I'm so, gonna get to work uh, on that for yeah. tomorrow morning. And anything on your end? No. Hey guys, at at B-ball Breakdown, it's not a channel. It's a conversation. Are you in, coach? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs>